studying on Sunday morning a series that, that God laid on my heart called The Mystery of Contentment. When I begin to pray about that and we begin to study that and I begin to allow, uh, God begin to allow me to speak about that, I, I thought that that title was an appropriate one because you know what? Contentment can be a mystery. How do you find contentment in your life? How do you find that place that you have peace and, and you're able to have, have that peace that passes all understanding when your life is unraveling and everything is falling apart and you don't know where to turn and you're walking through the valleys and, and you're having the hard times and you know without a shadow of a doubt that you're struggling but yet at the same time you're looking for contentment in your life the great apostle Paul spoke about that in the word of God and so far we've talked about how to have contentment in Christ how do you find that contentment in Christ and we talked about that uh, the first Sunday and then the second Sunday last Sunday we talked about learning to be content how, how do you learn to do that and there's a couple things I just want to remind you first of all uh, we talked about learn contentment safe the blessings of God. How, how many of y'all been blessed this week? Can I get an amen? Raise your hand if you've been blessed. I praise the Lord. Uh, God has blessed you. And you know what? If you're going to be content, you've got to savor that blessing. You've got to savor that blessing. You don't want to just take it for granted, but yet you want to savor the blessing of God. And then we talked about learned contentment uh, affirms the sufficiency of Christ. That is, God through Jesus Christ is sufficient. Uh, the Bible tells us that. He's sufficient to meet our needs. He's sufficient to sustain us and then finally we talked about the supremacy of Christ that he really is the king of kings and the Lord of lords do you believe that say amen that Jesus really is the king of kings and the Lord of lords now today before we dig in I want you to write down something for me that I, I don't ever want you to forget and that is this contentment is not complacency we're not talking about becoming lazy. We're not talking about becoming demotivated. Uh, contentment is not complacency. There's a lot of people uh, that become very complacent in their life. Uh, bottom line is they're just lazier. They're not motivated. We're not talking about that. So contentment is not complacency. And then a lot of people struggle with this thought, uh, what is happiness versus contentment? And, and I think that we all need to recognize that, that it's, there is a difference. Happiness can can be regulated by what happens on the outside of us. You know, if everybody jumps through the right hoop, or everybody says everything that we want them to say, or our kids act right, or, or whatever, uh, then a lot of things on the outside of our life will regulate our happiness. But God's contentment is not regulated by what goes on on the outside of you, but rather contentment is regulated by what's going on inside you. You see, you can have contentment when your world's falling apart. You can have contentment when your walking through the valley. Contentment is regulated by what's going on in you, not what's happening around you. So we have to realize that life really is a roller coaster. Life has its ups and its downs and its turns and its twists. It's easy on the mountaintop, but what about when you're walking through the valley? It's easy to be content when everything is going our way, but what about when the rug of life is jerked out from under us and our life begins to fall apart? When you find yourself asking the why question. Anybody in here ever done that? Why me, God? Why am I going through this? Why are we struggling with this? Why did this happen? Why did my child rebel? Why did my spouse get cancer? Why, why did I lose my job? Why did my spouse walk out on me? Why am I going through this, God? And, and I think a lot of times we find ourselves when we're struggling and we're in the valley that we ask the why question. Anybody here ever done that? I've done that. 
You know, why is this happening to me, God? I don't deserve this. Why is this tough type thing happening? And we've all asked the why question. And when we find ourselves in life, and life gets unraveled, we have to find out how can we be content. A certain bishop <clears throat> had passed through many great trials, but he was never heard to complain in passing through them. He was always contented, he was always cheerful, and a friend of his who had often admired his calm, happy spirit, who felt as if he would like very much to imitate his, his friend and his example, asked him, this bishop one day, he said to him, Sir, what is the secret of your quiet contentment? To which he, he said, I would love to share that with you. I'll tell you my secret. And it consists of nothing more than making the right use of your eyes. He, the, the friend said, sir, would you please tell me what you mean by that? He said, every time I'm going through a trial, I use my eyes. And he said, please explain. He said, well, the first thing I do is look up and remind myself where I'm going one day. Can I get an amen? Second thing I do is I look down and I remind myself that when I die, it's not going to take a lot of dirt to cover up the hole. And then thirdly, I look around at everybody else around me and I find that I don't have a whole lot to be, be unthankful for. You know what, if you use your eyes, you look up to heaven, you go, God, one day I'm going to go to heaven. One day this life is going to be over. One day I realize, God, that I'm going to be with you. And you know what, when I die, they're going to dig a hole and they're going to put me in. It's not going to take a lot of dirt. And I'm just going to occupy a small space for my body until Jesus comes back. And the grave is going to have to give up my body. I'm going to be with him. And then I look around, guys, and I see there's a lot of other people that have it a whole lot worse than I do. Can I get an amen? So, so the, the friend said, what great advice. You know, when you think about going through tough times, and, and today the sermon title is how to be content in the what, y'all? The valley. Let's all repeat that together, everybody. How to be content in the valley. How can you be content when you're walking through hard times in your life? And I want you to take your copy of God's Word and open it up to the book of Philippians today. The book of Philippians chapter 4, the great apostle Paul is writing to the Philippians. And when you open your Bible to the book of Philippians, you begin to recognize something that is immediate. The book of Philippians, if you were to sum it up in a word, it would be joy. Now you have to remind yourself that Paul is writing this book from the Roman prison. He's, uh, he's handcuffed to a guard. And he's writing this book of Philippians to the believers of the churches of Philippi. And in doing that, Paul is saying to them, whatever you do, don't lose your joy. Whatever you do, he says, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. No matter what's going on in your life, don't lose that. Don't, 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 don't compromise your joy. You got that joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And Paul begins to tell them in verse number 4, or chapter, chapter 4, verse number 11, and he says these words, not that I speak in respect of won't, for I have what, church? Learned. For I have learned in whatever state I am, therewith to be what? Content. Leave that up there for just a moment. Let's all read that together, everybody. For I have learned in whatever state I am, therewith to be content. If you don't mind underscoring your Bible, you don't mind writing your Bible, you need to underscore that part of that verse. That you learn as, as you live your life in Jesus that whatever state you're in, you've got to learn how to be content. You, you, that's a profound thought, y'all. That Paul says, while I'm in the prison, while I'm in the dungeon, while I'm going through tough times, while my life is unraveling, while I'm struggling, I've learned. I have had to learn that whatever's going on around me, I am content. 
I've learned that. And then the next verse says something very powerful. He says, I know how to be both abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and also to suffer need. And he says there in the word of God, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can I get an amen? amen. Let's go back to verse number 12 for a moment as you open the word of God. The Bible says, I know how to be abased. And when I look at that, I ask myself the question, what does that mean? What does it mean when the great apostle Paul says, I know how to be abased? A lot of your interpretations or your versions would say this, I know how to be humble. I know how to be humble because God has humbled me. Uh, there's other translations that say this about that word, I know how to be made low. Uh, there's another translation that says, I know how to be reduced. And then there's another thought of that word that says, I know how to rank below. In other words, there's been times in my life when, man, I was at the top of my game. There has been times in my life when I was on the mountaintop. There's been times in my life when everything was going good and smooth. But there's times also, man, when I, when I find that life's not so good. And he says, I've learned how to be humble. I've learned how to be made low. I've learned how to keep my spiritual sanity when all hell is coming against me. I've learned how to be faithful when I didn't want to be. I've learned how to stay in it when I wanted to quit. I've learned how to keep my faith when my faith was hanging on by a thread. I've learned how to do that. The great apostle Paul says, I've learned how to do that. Now, if you were to sum up verse number 12 in your Bible, I'm going to give you something. Are y'all ready? Say amen. You got to write it down. If you miss this, you're going to mess up. So I'm going to give you four letters that sums up verse number 12. It's not in your outline. Are you ready? Write it down. Are you ready? Can I get an amen? Write these letters down. This is what verse 12 is all about. Are you ready? Here it is. L-I-F-E. Some of y'all going, what's that spell? Are you with me? <clears throat> life, life, can I get an amen? You know, verse 12 is life. Sometimes I'm on the mountain, sometimes I'm in the valley. Sometimes things are going good, sometimes it's a struggle. Sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes, man, I got it together, and sometimes I'm falling apart. Sometimes I'm doing good, sometimes I'm not doing good. But it's called what, y'all? Life. Life has its share of ups and downs, doesn't it? The good, the bad, the ugly, all that. As long as we're in this life on earth, we're always going to be in the ebb and flow. There's going to be a high tide and there's going to be a low tide. There's going to be a mountain and there's going to be a valley. The big question is, who's going to stabilize me? How can I get balance in my life when, I, when everything is falling apart? Who stabilizes me? And verse number 13 is the key, y'all. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can I get an amen? How many of y'all believe that today? Would you give God praise for that? Because, friend, he is the one that strengthens you. He's the one that will see you through. Before we look at point number one, when we study the life of the great apostle Paul, we can almost assuredly know that this man knew much of the life of struggle and pain and hurt and disappointment and suffering and lack and hunger, and the list goes on and on. Yet, whether he was on the mountaintop of the valley, he learned to be content. Think about all the things that the great apostle Paul experienced in this life. And I just made a short list, guys, of what this guy went through. First of all, he suffered for laboring in Christ. It was hard. 
He was put in prison. He faced death often. He was beaten with stripes five times. That means he took 195 lashes. He was beaten five times, and every time that he was beaten, he took 39 lashes from a whip. And then you look at the great apostle Paul. He, he, the Bible says he was beaten with rods. He was stolen. He, three times he was shipwrecked. He drifted at sea. He had the perils of the water, perils of robbers, hated of his own countrymen, his own friends turned their back on him. He was hated by the strangers. He was troubled in the cities he visited. He was troubled in the country. He faced bad weather. He faced wild beasts. He, he, he faced hunger. He faced inadequate shelter. He was weary. He was tired. He had no sleep. He was thirsty. He was cold and had inadequate clothing. He was broke with no money. He was mocked. He was snake-bitten. And finally, he was executed by decapitation. Guys, you know what? We don't have it so bad after all. Can I get an amen? So you know what, you look at this guy that's going through all this and yet at the same time he goes, man, I've learned how to be content. How about your valley? How about your hard time? I guess we don't have it so bad. But how do you and I make it through? Let's just get real today and talk about that. How do you and I, when we feel like our life is falling apart, how do you get up in the morning and put one foot in front of the other? How, how are you going to make it through when you feel like a failure? How are you going to make it through when everything just kind of crashes in on you? Well, today I want to give you four things to think about that I believe will help us as we study this. So point number one in your outline, are you ready? Can I get an amen? What helps me get through the, prom the problems of my life? First of all, the promises of God sustains me. The promises of God sustains me. When I begin to study on this and I begin to focus on this, I want you to take your Bible and open it up. And please, everybody, do that to 2 Corinthians. Let's look over there together. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 7. The great apostle Paul, again, is writing this and he's instructing us on, on how to make it through the hard times, how to make it through when we feel like our life is falling apart. And I want to tell you today, if you're going through a hard time, you can't make it on your own. You can't stand up in your own strength. You are not going to make it like that. So you have to realize that God's promises sustained you. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 7. Are you there? Say amen. The Bible says, but we have this what, guys? Treasure. Let's say it together again. Everybody, we have this treasure. Where is this treasure, y'all? The Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Now think about this for a minute. The Bible tells us, and you may want to write this down, when you study the Word of God and you put all the pieces together, write this down. There is 5,467 promises in the Word of God. So when I begin to study my Bible and I begin to accumulate all the promises of God from Genesis to Revelation, there are 5,467 promises to, from God in this Bible. Remember this, this is profound. 700 of those promises is for the believer in time. Meaning that while you're living on this earth, no matter what you're going through, God's made you 700 promises. I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. No weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, God will condemn. This is the heritage of the Lord. 
I'm going to tell you that I'm going to be in you and I'm going to be with you. 700 promises from God. Can I get an amen? Notice in verse number 7 it says, but we have this saith, treasure. Underline that in your Bible. We got a treasure. Now when you study your Bible, the Greek word for that is where we get our word thesaurus. That's what that means. We have a thesaurus. Now, when you look at that, what that means is when you study, how many of y'all know what a thesaurus is? Can I see your hand? Some of y'all going, what in the world? It's a, it's a group of words. It, it's, it, it's simply this, that a thesaurus is a storehouse of words. It's a, it's a book of words. It's a word study. So what God is saying to you and I, it's no matter where you are in life, you've got a word study in you. Man, you've got, you got, you got, you got a thesaurus in your earthen vessel. That is, while you're alive, while you're living, while you're going through your hard time, while you're struggling, man, you've got a book of words in you. You've got something in you that God has placed in you that nobody can rob from you. You've got a living word living on the inside of you. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But, but how awesome is that? That while I'm going through the valley, while my life is unraveling, while I'm struggling, while I'm battling, God has put something in me. God has put something in me that yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're with me, God. You're with me, God. You put a word study in me. You put a thesaurus in me. Oh, my friend, don't be cast down. When you're going through struggles in your life and you're having problems and you're walking through the valley, go to your thesaurus. Open it up and begin to claim the promises of God in your valley. You're able to look deep in your heart and say, God, weeping may endure for a night, but joy's going to come in the morning. Can I get an amen? God, you're not, you're not, you haven't left me, God. You're with me. 700 promises of the Word of God. The great apostle Paul says, let the Word of God dwell in you richly. Let that Word get in you richly. Moses said to the children of Israel to let the God, Word of God dwell in their heart. Psalms 119, verse number 11. Thy Word, God, have I hid in my heart so that I will sin against you. All Scripture is given under your inspiration, God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness so that the people of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. God, you told me in your word, heaven and earth will pass away, but God, your word will never pass away. We can come boldly to the throne of grace, God, and obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. God, your word is living in me, and I thank God that when I'm walking through the valley, God, I've got your thesaurus living in me. Isn't that awesome, guys? When I think about that and I understand that, listen, my friend, if you are a child of God, are you listening? Say amen. Are you listening to me? Say amen, church. If you're a child of God and you're going through a valley, you do not have to listen to the lies of the devil. Rather, you can claim the promises of God. And if you don't get anything else I tell you today, write down what I'm about to tell you. Because what I'm about to tell you will change your life. Write it down. It's not on the screen, but you got to write it down. You don't let the lies that is coming into your mind, don't let the lies that is coming into your mind overrule the promises that's in your heart. Don't let the lies that come into your mind overrule the promises that's in your heart. How many of you understand when you're going through a tough time, the devil will lie to you? Can I get an amen? 
He is the father of lies. He knows how to lie. He'll tell you ain't worth a whole lot. He'll tell you God's finished with you. He'll tell you it's over. He'll tell you all kinds of things. But my friend, when you're going through a valley and you're struggling and you're battling through that, don't let the lies that's coming into your mind overrule the promises that God has given you in your heart. Can I get an amen? So, so folks, write that down. Remember that. So we've got to realize that we've got a thesaurus living in us, a word study living in us, a, a, a group of words that has made us come alive. And I want you to write down three things about that. First of all, when you think about that and you look at that, that thesaurus that's living in you, you say, Brother Jackie, what kind of thesaurus do I have living in me? Oh, my friend, you've got the living word living in you. Can I get an amen? You've got the living word living in you. The Bible says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Do you understand? How many of y'all believe that Jesus came to this earth? Can I get an amen? How many of you believe that he lived a sinless life? Can I get an amen? How many of you believe that he died on the cross for you? Can I get an amen? How many of y'all believe he was buried on the third day? He rose again. Can I get an amen? How many of you believe that right now he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for us? How many of you understand that as if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved? How many of you understand that the Bible says says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Folks, listen to me. When you come to know Jesus as your Savior, you got the living word living on the inside of you. Can I get an amen? And that's Jesus. Just write that out there. That's Jesus. But not only do you have the living word living on the inside of you, you have the spoken word living on the inside of you. You have the spoken word. Do you remember when Jesus was about to ascend to heaven? And this is what he said, Daniel. He said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send the comforter and he's going to be with you and he's going to be in you. And he's going to teach you everything you need to know. And he's not going to speak of himself, but everything he hears, he's going to hear from the Father and he's going to deliver that to you. So when you look at that spoken word, ladies and gentlemen, you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. Can I get an amen? And when you're going through a hard time and you're struggling and you're spiraling down and you're having a tough time and, man, your, your life has just kind of come unshattered and, and all this is happening, you know what the Holy Spirit says? You belong to God. You're a child of the King. I'm with you. I'm never going to forsake you. Listen, you're going to be fine. I've got my hand on you. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. I'm going to be there with you. How many of you understand you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you? Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? So I've got the living word. I've got the spoken word. But not only that, guys, I've got the written word. I've got the written word right here. Guys, this is not just another book. This is not just another book. How many of you understand this is the holy word of God? Can I get an amen? From Genesis to Revelation, how many of y'all believe this is the word of God? Can I get an amen? If you believe it, say hallelujah. God's good. Amen. Listen, my friend, when you're going through a tough time and you're struggling and you're battling and you're having a hard time, listen, my friend, get this word open. Get this word open. 
Get this word open in your life. Begin to claim the promises of God. Whatever you've got to do, however how you have to do it. If you don't have it memorized, man, you can't speak it because of memorization. Listen, get sticky notes and put them all over your house. Every time you walk in a room, look at another sticky note. When you go put on your Mary Kay, you have it on the mirror, amen? You say, man, the word of God is there and it's rich and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword and it pierces even the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit is discerner of the thoughts of the intent of the heart. The word of God works. Can I get an amen? So what do you do? You get that written word and you put it up there where you can start claiming victory. You go from room to room if you have to, Brother Randy, and you start shouting it out. Man, if you have to start with John 3, 16, you put a sticky note over there, for God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son that if I would just believe in him, I would not perish but have everlasting life. Thank God for that. I thank God for that because my Father has given me everlasting life. Can I get an amen? And then I can go to the next room for God sent not a son in the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. Hallelujah, I'm a child of God. Thank God for that. And you know what? One day this world's going to be over and the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ going to rise first. And then we which are alive men are going to be called up together to meet, them, to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Thank God. Thank God the valley's going going to be over before long. Can we give God praise for that? What an awesome God, y'all. And what? A, listen, when you go get in your car, you got a sticky note on your horn. When you, when you look at your speed arm, you got a sticky note there. And you're saying, man, I am not going to listen to the lies of the devil. I'm not going to do that because I've got the living word in me. I've got Jesus in me. Can I get an amen? Y'all better help me. Can I get an Amen. I got Jesus. Look at your neighbors. I got Jesus in me. Tell them. Tell them. Amen. I got Jesus in me. Tell them I got the Spirit in me. Tell them. Tell them I got the Spirit in me. And then lift up your Bible. Just go on and open it up. Say, I got this. Amen. I'm going to tell you, my friend, the devil can't stand it. When you're walking through a valley and he wants to beat you down at him, he wants to beat you up, and all of a sudden you say to him, Brother Benny, hey, wait a minute, boss. I got Jesus in me. I got the Spirit of God in me, and I got the written word. And I'm going to tell you, I'm telling you, devil, weeping may endure for a night, but joy is going to come for me in the morning. Can I get an amen? God's good. Can we just give him praise? I feel good about that. That's good, y'all. That's good, y'all. That's good, y'all. So, so we got that. Now, when you're in the valley, not only do you have to stand on the promises of, of God to sustain you, but watch this, y'all. You got the power of God to sustain you. You got the power of God to sustain you. Can I get an amen? amen? You got God's power operative in your life. You see, 2 Corinthians verse number, chapter 4, verse number 7 says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the, come on now, help me, the excellency of the power of God and not us. Not us. We got the excellency of the power of God. You know what that word excellency means? It means superiority or preeminence. It means that we have the preeminent God in, in his power in us, in us. And that power is operative in my life. Listen, look at me, even when I'm struggling, even when I'm going through a valley. And the Bible says that the excellency of the power of God may be of God. And what's the last part of that, y'all? Not of us, not of us. Do you know what that means? It means that when you begin to have, to have intake, 
of the Word of God in your life, regardless of the circumstances. And that Word of God is metabolized in your man, in your, in your life. And all of a sudden, you're living it out. You're living it out. Then you have God's power operative in your life. And then people look at you and they say, how are you doing that? How are you... How are, you, how, are you, how are you doing that when hell itself is coming against you? People will say to you, how do you put one foot in front of the other? How do you, how do you get out of the bed in the morning? How do, you keep, how do you keep doing that? And my friend, you can say to them, are you ready? This is such a glory hallelujah statement. It's not me. It's God. Amen. Can I get an Amen. amen. You know, when, when a couple of weeks ago, we got the report Denise had cancer, and we were just saturating ourselves in the Word of God and believing and praying it and just saying, God, you know what? We belong to you. We're, we're child of the King. And all of a sudden, the doctor said, oh, you got kidney cancer. You got kidney And then we went and done the, the, all the stuff that they did, and the doctor walks in and goes, man, it was on the x-ray, but I'm just going to tell you, you don't have cancer. You've got a cyst. Can I get an amen? God is good. Can I get an amen? That's the God... That's the God that we serve. That's the God that we serve. And I've watched y'all good. Not I've watched you. I've watched a lot of you walk through hell itself. I've watched you struggle and battle. And, and man, I've watched you, you, you go through tough times. I've watched, I've watched guys and, and ladies bury their spouses and they show up at church the next Sunday. And I'm thinking, good night, man. And I've watched people battle cancer and, and diseases and all this stuff. And I've watched people bury their sons and their daughters. And, and I look out in the congregation on Sunday morning and there they are. And I, I think to myself, oh my gosh, how do you, how do, you do that? And I'm going to tell you, my friend, I know how you do it. It's not you that's doing it. It's God in you that's doing it. Can I get an amen? You don't quit. You don't give up. You don't throw in the towel. You don't lay out. You don't let your faith become dead faith. But what happens is the devil brings this arsenal against you and, and bombards you with that. But rather than you giving up, you just get stronger and stronger and stronger. Isn't that good news, guys? You know what that's called? Write this down. It's called a testimony. It's called a testimony. You know, when people watch you struggle and they watch you go through hard times... And they, you just keep on doing it. You, you've been there, man. You failed. You, you messed up. You, you felt like that everything crumbled around you and life was over. But somehow, God, God wouldn't let you stay there. And all of a sudden, you realize, man, it's not me, but it's God in me. Can I get an amen? It's a God that's operative in my life. It's, it's man, I, 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 I know God's up to something, and God's working in my life, and he's, he's given me a victory. I, I'm going second by second. I don't know how I'm going to make the next hour. I don't know how, I don't know how I'm going to do tonight. I don't know how I'm going to do tomorrow, but I do know right now that in this moment, my God is with me. And you know what? I, I do know this. Because he's in me, I can take another step. And you know what, if I can just, God's going to help me take that other step. And minutes will turn to hours, and hours will turn to days, and days will turn to weeks. And all of a sudden, God will get me through this valley I'm in. Can I get an amen? Because valleys are short, guys. Even if we have to walk through the valley our whole life, life is like a vapor. Life is like a vapor. When I thought about that, I thought, well, you know what, not only does... Does, does the promises of God sustain me? And not only does the power of God sustain me, but the person of the Holy Spirit sustains me. It's the Holy Spirit that lives in us that gives us the victory that we need in our life. 
And, and I just want you to think about this for a moment. Just think about you being a child of God. How many of you understand this? When you give Jesus your heart, the Holy Spirit comes and sets up residence in you. He's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's called the Trinity, three in one. And God comes and sets up residence in our heart. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. Can I get an amen? And notice what Paul says in verse number 10. He says, I'm always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. I'm always doing that. But, but not only am I bearing in the body, my body the dying of the Lord Jesus, but the life also of Jesus might be manifest in me. It's almost as if he's going, man, I get the death of Jesus, but he had to die in order to have life. And, and I, I get that, that I've got death because of Jesus, but man, I got more power than death. I got life. And, and in verse number 11, he says, for we which, are, uh, we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made, what's that word, guys? Manifest in our mortal flesh. In other words, while I'm going to live on this li alive on this earth, I got Jesus' life being manifest in me. The Bible says, So then death worketh in us, but life is also at work. And we having the same spirit of faith. There's that word, the same spirit of faith. According as it is written, I believe and therefore I have spoken. We also believe and therefore we speak. In other words, man, I got life in me. I got life in me. Because I got life in me, I can speak life. I can speak victory in my life. You remember when Lazarus died? Lazarus and Mary and Martha, and they were all friends of Jesus, and Lazarus died, and they, they, he was sick, and they compelled uh, you know, to go tell Jesus to come to heal Lazarus, and he waited a little while, and the Bible says that, he, that Lazarus died. And because he died, Martha was really upset with Jesus. She said, Jesus, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus said, he will rise again. And she said, I know he will rise in the last day. But Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he said these words to her. He said, whosoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe that? Can you imagine that, guys? Whoever lives and believes in Jesus will never die. The power of the Holy Spirit, the life of Jesus is resident in me and in you if you're a believer. Because of that, death is not final. Death is a doorway. Death is that, that moment that we walk through and we're able to go into another dimension of our life. Can you imagine that, y'all? Even if you walk through the deepest, darkest valley of your life, and realize, man, one day you're going to hear these words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. No more sickness, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more death, no more suffering. I can't even begin to imagine that. And the fourth part of this message says this, the provision of eternal glory sustains me. Can you imagine that, y'all? Can you imagine this moment that all of a sudden you begin to realize in 2 Corinthians 4, 14. Come on up, Adam, and just play. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus. Do y'all believe that? Amen. And shall present us with you. Did you get that, y'all? We're going to be presented to him. Presented to him. 
struggles, battles over. We get presented, we get presented. I just can't wait, y'all. I can just see my mom and my dad and the friends and those that have went on before me in the church, and they're standing there, and I get to go to heaven one day. And I'm just going to tell you all this. I don't know if you believe this or not. I probably won't remember one valley. All those valleys would just disappear. When God begins to show me his eternal glory, I don't believe that I'm going to go, rats, I hated those valleys I went through. Man, I, I struggle with I don't think that's going to happen, Connie. I think that I'm going to go, wow, we're in heaven. I get a new body, I, I'm good. The Bible goes on and says, we have the self-same spirit of faith. Uh, for all things are for your sake, that the abundant grace might be through the thanksgiving of many down to the glory of God. Now watch this, this is powerful. Verse 16 says, For which cause we faint not, but through our, though our outward man is perishing, our inward man is being what, everybody? Renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. A moment. Somebody say that, a moment. You say, Brother Jack, you don't know the hell I've been through. It doesn't matter. I'm not, I'm not disqualifying your tough time, but what I do tell you, man, it's going to be over before you know it. Life is like a vapor, y'all. And one day it's, it's for a moment, but watch what Paul says. He says, Brother Benny, it's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but we're looking at things that are not seen. The Bible says, for the things that are seen are what? Temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. You know what that means? We live by faith and not by sight. For without faith it's impossible to please God. If you're walking through a valley and you're struggling and you're going through hard times, set your sights on eternity. Look up. Don't look below. Look up. Listen, God's at work in your life. And you know what? I know this is not on the schedule, and I get all that. But Daniel, I want you to come on back up here. And y'all know we ain't finished, so y'all don't put your Bibles up. But I just feel like we ought to sing a song. And I would lead it, but I ain't a good singer. But I'm going to tell you something, my friend. There's something that sustains you, and it's bigger than this world. How many of you have been walking through a valley? Could I see your hand? You ever been there? Listen, my friend, one day you will see Jesus. One day you're, you're going to see him. And Daniel, I know you sung it earlier, but I, I just think, you, I think you've got it in you again to do it again. So, so Daniel, just sing that. Y'all listen.